Uh, see, Birdman, like Icarus. Okay, wait, 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 hang on. Who is this Barthes guy? Which Birdman was he in? Uh, Roland Barthes was a French philosopher, and if you knew anything about the history of 20... Now, is it true you've been injecting yourself with semen from baby pigs? I'm sorry. As what? a method of facial rejuvenation. Where did you read that? It was tweeted by at Prostate Whispers. No, that's not true. I know, but did you do it? No, I didn't do it. I just, okay, I just said it's not true. You're denying it. No, don't write anything. Why would you write anything? I didn't. I didn't do. Don't write what she said. I didn't do it. I didn't put any I mean, baby pigs in. Have, if you will. Uh, yeah, are you at all afraid that uh, people will say you're doing this play to battle the impression that you're a washed up super? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's why 20 years ago I said no to Birdman 4. Hold the man for You do have the Thanks for coming out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rotten Potatoes, a podcast with four friends reviewing movies that you absolutely should have already seen by this point. I am Zach, and I am here with three of my best friends. I prefer the term the Rotten Pea Boys. We are the Rotten Pea Boys coming at you hot. <laughs> Season two. Exactly. <laughs> Season two. We are done with uh, Stand By Me. We're not watching Tombstone anymore. We're watching Birdman. We're watching is that Birdman. what we're going to do every episode? More rotten than ever. <laughs> is, is just reintroduce. Season two. Season two, baby. <laughs> yeah, we did it in the first episode, and now we're doing it in the sixth episode. <laughs> and then, you know, just whenever we feel like it. Yeah. yeah. At the beginning of season three. I'm going to do it all the time. Yeah. Zach, can I just ask that you bring that level of energy every time you open up sure <laughs> definitely I, this zach is, just shot this me is a look. season two <laughs> <laughs> this isn't season one zach we're, we're done with we're done with sad boy season one zach we're done i like season two zach he's fun I, i'm in a better place in life <laughs> season two zach is a little scary you were in a bad place the whole year <laughs> It was 2020. It was a hard it year. Was, we all were. Can I be honest? I'm fully, I'm fully vaccinated. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> you go lick a COVID Are you vaccinated, Jake? I haven't been allowed to I get didn't it. think so. <laughs> I just stay home, which have is fun, what I want. Have fun watching Blood Diamond. <laughs> I'm watching Birdman. <laughs> I would have way more fun watching Blood Diamond than Birdman. <laughs> Let's get to the movie. Oh, man. All right. We're, do, we're doing Birdman. We're doing the 2014, I'm sorry, 2015 Best Picture winner, Jake. Learn yeah. about it. I learned about it. Yeah. Yeah, we're watching Birdman, though. Uh, I know I promised Scott Pilgrim versus the world, but we've already addressed that. It sucked. <laughs> now we're watching yeah, Birdman. you got 20 minutes instead. in. If you yeah. like Scott Pilgrim, you're an idiot. <laughs> Stop listening. <laughs> if you like Scott Pilgrim, you probably also liked Blood Diamond, loser. <laughs> <laughs> Three of us liked Blood Diamond. <laughs> Three of us? I don't think so. Yeah. Three? I heard I three. Mean, I like I, it. I rated it lower than Zach. <laughs> yeah, you, you so three of us liked it. I liked it. Did you forget Scott rated it a 5.9? <laughs> yeah, I still don't think that that reflects his liking of the movie. <laughs> we gave it a 67, Jake. <laughs> okay. How does that land in our in our list? Like sixty seven percent. You, you know what, Zach? Like- We're still talking about it. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm trying to steer us away from it. No, you're not. You're steering us right back to it. Yeah, you're right. It's, you did it. it. It's honestly right in the middle. We actually had uh, two other movies that were a 67%. What were those two movies that uh, we rated the same? Uh Bad Boys and Life Aquatic. Oh yeah. Life Aquatic. That makes sense. Yeah. Justice for Life Aquatic. Oh, it should be lower. No, it should be way <laughs> higher. 
Can it makes get sense. That trending? It makes sense that Life Aquatic and this are both yours. In in Birdman? Yeah. Why? Why do you say that? Because they're both just weird. <laughs> Weird's not bad. Weird is I would, not bad. I would take weird over uh, a movie that and, and might memorable. be. I yeah, do remember exactly. a lot about this movie. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. See, I like a movie that makes me like that invokes an emotion out of me. Like unhappiness. E- sure. Even that. Yeah. <laughs> like that challenges me. Like, would you say Birdman kind of challenged you a little no. bit? Maybe if, if Birdman, the, I don't know, is confusion an emotion. Yeah. Definitely. Where, like, yeah. At, at the end it of the movie, I was like, why to, did I watch it? I like that. Challenge yeah. me to not stay like seated. why did I watch that, but, but like, like, so like, like, I wish that my my critique for you, since you you've offered a lot for me, <laughs> stop <laughs> picking movies that I have to Google what happened <laughs> afterwards. Where I'm like, what was this about? What was the message? What was the point? I still don't know. I'm trying to get you yep. to think critically about this kind of stuff. Jay. Yeah, let's think let's critically. Just, he was just like, we open on him floating in his underwear. Mm-hmm. Let's just let's just get some more formulaic plots for Jake. Some more Roland Emmerich movies. Yeah. You know what? Next week, National Treasure. Na- yeah, National Treasure. <laughs> I love up National by, Treasure. Uh, followed up by the day National after Treasure tomorrow. is a National Treasure. <laughs> I haven't seen National Treasure too, so I've it's seen the first. Not one. as good as the first one. <laughs> the first one wasn't the best, but it does have Ed Harris. That's true. <laughs> I'm sold, but it doesn't have Sean Bean. It does not have Sean Bean. Sean Bean survived that movie, though. <laughs> Did he? So, I thought he fell. Like, no, he got arrested. He got arrested at the end. Oh, he survived. Our, doesn't he fall like through a, a tunnel? No. <laughs> Did he might have? He might have fallen over <laughs> at some point. Like there was a lot of action. You know? I think you're thinking of Gandalf. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, Ian yeah. McClellan, that right. other Sean and Bean then, movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then actually, Sean Bean carried him out. He carried. I don't think I've out. seen National Treasure. I just whenever <laughs> people talk about, I don't think I've seen Lord, Lord of the Rings. Rings. <laughs> <laughs> no, whenever people talk about National Treasure, I'm always just thinking of like, oh yeah, that one with like the Frodo. <laughs> yeah. You think that whenever it's like, have you seen Game of Thrones season one? And you're like, yeah, I, it was super sad when Gandalf died at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Elrond is pretty cool in that one. I haven't seen any Game of Thrones season one. Oh, no, I have seen the first oh. two episodes. Yeah, I made you watch the first two Might episodes. Have to put it on the list. Yeah. <laughs> Nine hours of 10 hours of Game of Thrones. Yeah, season one. So we're doing Blood Diamond. Uh, we're doing Blood Diamond. We're doing Birdman today. Blood Diamond again. <laughs> why Blood did you last week, this week, and next week? Why did shut you shut up, Jake? <laughs> why did you nominate this movie? Because uh, <laughs> I did not want to watch Scott Pilgrim versus the World. <laughs> yeah. We that got a text. No. I get a text from Zach, and it's like, "Has anybody watched Scott Pilgrim yet?" And then we're all like, "No." And he's like, "I want to do Birdman." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so Birdman has been on on my list to nominate for a while, um, partially because. Uh, when I watched it back in 2014, I really, really liked it. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was really freaking good. It was actually a really kind of cool day. Uh, it was because I think it came out in like December, or it came out at the end of the year, which is right around when my birthday is. So one of my buddies for my birthday took me to go see Birdman, and then took me out to lunch, and then after that we went and saw Whiplash, and so it was a really cool like double feature. I wouldn't um, be surprised if you like met Quentin Tarantino again on that day. That would have been pretty cool too. Because of your encounters with famous people. You're like, yeah, I just met Daisy Ridley. No big deal. Yeah. No, Quentin wasn't there that day, but we did meet Miles Was Teller. Danny there? No. Danny wasn't there either. Danny nah. was hanging out. I haven't, you haven't let me meet Danny yet. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's a big step, you know, introducing <laughs> yeah. Danny to your friends. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited to, uh, I hope that one day I get to meet him. 
Maybe uh, when we're all vaccinated, we can all hang out. He'll come over when he's we already vaccinated, so he yeah. could oh. see us if he oh, wanted cool. to. But Sweet. he he specifically said he never wants to meet you guys. Gotcha. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Oh yeah, back in who was that 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 you went and saw those movies with? My buddy Timmy. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he shout out to Timmy. He had to drive me to like Anaheim because we lived at Riverside at the time because Whiplash was not playing in the Inland Empire. Yeah, <laughs> so we had to drive to go see it. But it was a fun day, um, and I remember at the time, Birdman like blew my mind. I I thought it was incredible, um, and I had a feeling that Scott and Jake would not like it. So <laughs> I figured it'd be a fun movie to talk about. Well, uh, Birdman was released in October of 2014, October 17th, uh, written and directed by Alejandro Inuritu. Um, previous to this, he was a uh, he's a, a Mexican national and uh previous to this i i think he had only had one uh movie that was in like the mpaa like american movies uh and it was uh babel and it was fantastic it was really really good that. never even heard of it i've never seen it but i really want to brad pitt's in it mm-hmm. kate blanchett mm-hmm. i believe yeah he he's he's good he's oh really yeah good oh yeah and then super interestingly alejandro and yuritu i'll bury the lead uh, or I guess not bury the lead. He won best director for this and best picture later the next year, won best director and best picture again. And I'm pretty sure became the only director to ever have a back to back like that wow. in both, in both categories. What was the next? It was the revenant revenant. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, written and directed by Alejandro and Uh, the other guys gave this a 91%. Uh, IMDB gave it a seven, seven. So 0.3 under Blood Diamond. Crazy. Uh, but the other 20. Yeah, you want to keep talking, Zach? A 20 over, uh, <laughs> no, I'm sorry, 30. Wasn't Blood Diamond like 63, 63 by the other guys? Yeah. This was a 91. Yeah, but we don't care about the other guys. We don't, even, we don't even say their name. Yeah, we always <laughs> say that they're wrong. <laughs> so Not, they, They've been pretty on point with these movies. Uh, box office, uh, it did $103 million, uh, on an $18 million budget. This didn't even cost... You know, Blood Diamond cost a hundred million dollars. Yeah, this get cost get on the fifth. same level. <laughs> Who cares how much it cost? You could have built two and a half Titanics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I mentioned, this did win uh, Best Picture, Best Director, Best uh, Original Screenplay, and Best Cinematography, uh, beating out Whiplash uh, yeah. for uh, uh, Best Picture. I'll be honest; I would have rather seen Whiplash get that. I, you know, I, I told you, Jake, uh, offline last night that um, we, uh, offline, I, that's like such a work thing. Not on, uh, not on the podcast, not on off the air. Uh, I, I told you that this year I was super excited with both Whiplash and uh, Birdman. And I, I was really like torn. I wanted one of the two to win. I would have preferred Whiplash. I think I enjoyed Whiplash more. Um, but I loved this this movie, uh, and I was fine with it getting it. I uh, at the time was really happy to see Birdman win, um, but now looking back, I I think I would have preferred Whiplash as well. I mm. do prefer Whiplash to this movie. Uh, it was also nominated you heard it here first. Oscars got it wrong. It was also nominated for uh, Best Actor for Michael Keaton, Best Supporting Actor for Edward Norton, Best Supporting Actress for Emma Stone. Uh, best sound mixing, best sound editing, uh, but didn't win any of those. And this is actually kind of interesting for the Academy Awards. The score was uh, disqualified. 
from being even. Why? Uh, because much of like it's just the the drum sequence really all the way through, but much of it was using classical pieces, um, and so it was disqualified from from being entered into from being nominated. Speaking of Ed Norton getting nominated for this movie, Zach, weren't you telling us that Ed Norton's character was a parody of Ed Norton in real life? Yeah. I mm-hmm. I find that so upsetting because I like Ed Norton, <laughs> you know, to hear that he's like that. But do to, you think to find out that he wouldn't like you, yeah, <laughs> just, just to find out that he was awful, you know? Did Ed Norton ever do Broadway? Uh, I don't know. I would assume so. He he has that like presence to mm-hmm. him. But like, do you think Ed Norton knew that when he was doing it? I don't know. Maybe that they had written this part specifically for him because it was him. I mean, Inuritu called it out to him at least once, apparently. <laughs> like, he's, where they just did a fight, and he's like, look, this guy is you already. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a scene, <clears throat> excuse me, um, there's a scene in Birdman where his character, Mike Shiner, is like reading the script and kind of tearing it apart, and apparently in real life, Ed Norton was doing that with the Birdman script, and mm. then Inuritu was kind of just like, you're doing exactly what your character does in the movie. Like you realize that, right? So Anyways, it's a, it's a sa- it was a sad day for me to find out that Ed Norton's a, a jerk. Putting yeah. it, putting <laughs> Are it you lightly. really that surprised? I guess not, but I just never thought about I it. I feel like just from the way he is in most of his movies, I, I feel like I just kind of assumed that of him, you know? I feel like when I like somebody in movies, even if they're not playing, you like, just hope they're I just cool. hope they're a cool person, you yeah. know? Like you hear like Jason Bateman's a really nice guy and I'm like, that makes me happy. But know? that makes sense because he like is like that in a lot of his stuff, you know? Yeah. Like when he's a jerk in a movie, it's kind of like, this is weird. It doesn't seem normal for him, you know? I feel like Edward Norton split though. Like sometimes he's like the bad guy. Sometimes he's the good guy. It It is kind of weird then to think of him in a lot of the Wes Anderson movies he's in because his character in those movies are always very like polite and pleasant and like very soft spoken. Mm. And it's kind of funny. One of my, like, something I think about pretty often is from Moonrise Kingdom, like yeah. a line that he has when they're like, what do you do? And then he's like, I'm a math teacher. And then they're talking. He's like, actually, going back to that, I want to take it back. I'm a scout master first, then I'm a math teacher. <laughs> and I think about that and I laugh to myself all the time. And yeah. I'm like, that just seems like. That's a good line. He's got to be a nice dude, you know, to deliver that. <laughs> he's got to be nice in real yeah. life. I've never <laughs> seen Moonrise Kingdom. I've seen, like. The first half of it, I didn't finish it. I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to queue up another Wes Anderson in the near future, but I don't think I'm going to pick. Moonrise I Kingdom. will say this. I think I rated Life Aquatic too low. I, without a doubt, know you did. <laughs> but it's it, that's a very nice olive branch, and Scott. I'll, I'll also <laughs> say... Thank you, I'll Scott. I'll also say There Will Be Blood was too low. Yeah. You know, it's it's okay. We're learning as we but go. Blood Can I be honest? was too high. <laughs> Which I'm, one was? blood (laughs) (laughs) i know how mad i was at you for rating uh there will be blood of five but i'm not happy that you took it back i think i just want to be mad at you for it you know okay well we won't change it okay it's gonna stay there i'm just acknowledging that it probably should be a little bit higher than that so a little bit (laughs) So I had seen this movie before. Let's jump back into this. So I had seen this movie before. Uh, I really enjoyed watching it again. Um, I I don't think I had watched it since I'd seen it in theaters. I don't remember who I saw it with in theaters because I feel like all the people I see movies with are in this room. Uh, so I have no recollection of who I saw this movie with. Did I see it again with you? Maybe. I Maybe. don't know. Um, but... Uh, 
I bought it as soon as it came out on like Apple TV and I've scrolled past it so many times to watch it again, but I knew how much it would require of me to watch it. Uh, and so, you know, I skipped past it. So I was excited that, that Zach nominated this. I was excited to get to, to watch it again. And I loved it again this time as much as I did before. So you haven't watched it since the theatrical release? Yeah. I think I watched it twice in theaters. Okay. I'll say real quick, this was also only my second time watching it. So maybe I, maybe I didn't see it with you because I'm pretty sure this is only my second time. Um, and I, I feel like I had kind of a similar, like, I, I was a little hesitant to get back to it. Yeah. Um, and I will say this time, I didn't like it as much as I did the first time, mm. to be honest. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I was so wowed by it the first time. Yeah. I think I think a big part of that is I feel like I'm in just a way different season of life than I was back then. Like, um, I don't know if I've said on the pod, but like at the time I like really had like strong aspirations to work in the entertainment industry. And so I think I saw that as like, whoa, like, entertainment industry the theater like you know suffering for your art to to be fair you wanted to be a stripper i don't think that that really like it's kind of the same <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. why i identified with ed norton's character oh got most. it okay yeah. but no and then in this like watching it now i feel like i related the most to the ex-wife yeah where she's kind of looking at all this like this is dumb. Like, like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, what's wrong with you guys? Like, you guys are, like, a little pathetic. Like, why don't you worry about your daughter, you know? Yeah. Um, I I felt like there's a lot of spectacle in this movie, and I think technologically it's super impressive, and I still really like all those aspects of it. And I do think it's a really interesting... I do consider it kind of a fun movie to watch, um, but I had a hard time connecting with very many if any of the characters at all and at times was like kind of frustrated by some of the characters and like oftentimes wondered like is there really much here underneath all of the spectacle and by the end of it i i wasn't left with much of an impact it's interesting that you think this is a fun movie to watch because my entire thought the whole time was like this movie is not i don't enjoy watching this movie like even like going into it where I, like at the beginning when i was like maybe this is gonna be a really good movie i don't think i'm gonna have a good time no matter what and i think part of that was like i know we've kind of talked about the all soft cuts but it just made it i felt it i felt it so much that there was like it just felt like i didn't get a break the one take thing yeah i, I didn't yeah. get any time to breathe it just kept going it kept going sure. and i was like i need to pause this for a minute sure. just to like sit for a second well what do you think of like every other aspect of the movie i thought it was weird i don't there were parts that i thought were funny and like it, it it's another movie that i think is like for me perfect on paper but for some reason when i watched it i was like i just didn't like it and when i finished it i was just kind of left with like what what was the point like yeah of all of this kind of i mean kind of what you were saying like why sure why did we do any of this like well, and it's kind of interesting. I think that that is the point. Like, you you literally hit the nail on the head. Like, this movie is an existential crisis. Like, it's it's about an actor having an existential crisis. And so, like, it, it's asking the question, what is the point? And they, uh, they go back to this note that's on his mirror several times. Um, and it's some quote that it's, uh, a thing is not what is said of it. It's like a, like, I think a translation of like a Eastern proverb that it's like, it's, it's not like what you think it is. It's, it, it just is what it is. And the, the whole thing is kind of an existential crisis. And I think that's interesting. Like, I think it's cool that we get to explore like 
what's the meaning of any of this art that we're doing in in a piece that is that has that that feeling to it interesting also one thing that i i mean it's not anything like wrong with the movie but i knew zero about this movie before going into <laughs> it so like honestly I was kind of under the impression that this was some sort of superhero movie. <laughs> and so like when we, like it took me too long to realize that he was hallucinating the powers. Cause I was like, cause like, or when was he, he? Or was I don't he? know. But like when we opened uh, up on him just floating, I just was like, Oh yeah, well he's a superhero, right? Yeah, he's obviously and a I superhero. Just, I took, well, because like I knew like Birdman was a superhero, whatever. And then I was like, what Broadway, what's happening? Uh, cause I didn't even like really read the description very much. I saw yeah. the word Broadway in it and I was like, that's weird. Yeah. Uh, and so I, the whole movie, I'm watching it, and I watch it with my girlfriend, and then I was like, oh, he has these powers. And then she's like, I don't think he does. And I was like, what? Never a thought in my mind. Yeah. That's but, funny. Yeah. I, yeah. That's kind of cool. Scott, you were also a late bloomer on this one. I was. What were your thoughts? I am, like, vaguely interested in it, but also at the same time, like, don't get it. Like, what is the point of the whole movie? I don't really know. Like there were definitely like intriguing scenes. I think it was good acting. I love Michael Keaton. I love Edward Norton. I love Emma Stone. Like I, I think like it was good acting. I think I just disliked the movie. Um, like the the story, the execution, the or the whole package. Just like the idea. Like I, I don't know what the writer was even like. What their point was. The premise. Yeah. Like what message were they trying to convey? Yeah, anything like in there, it was very much, I think I feel about this, like how Jake felt about um, Donnie Darko, Donnie Darko. I will say, I do think that this is by far the most artistic film that we have done on this podcast so far. You know, it's interesting you're talking about the the message because like the whole movie, I was like, I wasn't really on board. I was kind of on board and I was like, they're going to hit me with some message at the end and I'm I'm really going to feel it. And it just didn't happen. Yeah. And that might've been the biggest. I was engaged waiting for the payoff that never came. Yeah. It's so funny because I appreciate, like I hear you guys and I don't think you're wrong necessarily, but I appreciate not getting smacked over the head. Like I feel like too many movies, it's just so formulaic, so obvious that I feel like I'm getting slapped in the face with some moral that it's like, yeah, I get it. You don't have to like, that didn't require all of this uh, exposition, uh, you know, and, and this like clunky dialogue to like hit me over the head with what you're trying to say. Like, just say it in your art. And uh, I, I feel like I absolutely the first time and this time walked away like very much like, yeah, man, I, I, I get the message. Uh, what do you think the message is then? I think that the message is that, uh, like, we aren't defined by what other people say of us. Uh, we're defined by what we, uh, what we feel and believe about ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's a valuable message, especially for people in the entertainment industry. And I think that it is a little bit on the nose for people who are maybe closer to that kind of a thing, where they are living lives that are very fragile. Like Mm -hmm. they're, you know, very, very fragile egos, very, because they're, they're living in fiction essentially. 
and I think a lot of actors do lose themselves in that. And a lot of people in the entertainment industry do lose themselves in that. And so I think it was really like a poignant note about that, um, about this entire group of people in our society that we all, you know, either reject out of hand or look up to so much. And that was what Riggin was experiencing is that like he, you know, his relationship with the critic juxtaposed with his relationship with the fans that stop him on the street at every turn and, you know, want to take pictures with him and, and, and his relationship with Ed Norton where, you know, he's calling him a hack and, you know, and he's trying to, he, he has something to prove to himself and, but more so to everyone else. Yeah. And the one person he didn't have anything to prove to was his daughter and, and his relationship with her and how all of that works together. I, I, for me, it was, it was, yeah, really like well, well executed in telling its story yeah, and, for sure. and its message. Do you have anything to add or take away or change? Uh, not really. I think you summed it up really well. I would agree with pretty much everything you just said. Um, an aspect of this movie I do like is that like it leads to conversations like this. I yeah. Mean, like we like struggled to figure out what to talk about in blood diamond right whereas if this one it leaves a lot of room for like how do you interpret this aspect of it how do you interpret this aspect of it um and to kind of i guess maybe to kind of go along with it i thought uh it was just a really interesting dynamic in how they kind of pitted um serious artistic dramatic actors versus like the superhero actors and like does that superhero maybe like popcorn type actor deserve a place in the artistic realm. And like, there were so many, so many parts that kind of like bring up that because I feel like at the time that was, and still it kind of is like something that's kind of talked about. You have Martin Scorsese kind Scorsese. of Scorsese. Scorsese. Yeah, <laughs> Martin Scorsese. If you ask Zach Galvanakis, it's Scorsese in this <laughs> movie, but um, you have him kind of condemn Marvel, you know? And so uh, not in the movie in real life. And I, I thought it was a funny scene when they're trying to get a, a new actor to, to fill in the part that, um, you know, they need filled. And they're like, what about Jeremy Renner? He's like, well, he's in Avengers now. What about Michael Fassbender? Uh, he's an X-Men. What about this guy? And, you know, like they can't find anyone that's not tied to this like commercial franchise. So they brought in the Hulk. Know? <laughs> they did bring in the whole, which is funny that it, like there is this like aspect of like you know like everything I was just saying, and then you look at who's in this. You have Ed Norton, the Hulk. You have Michael Keaton, who's Batman, Batman, and now the Vulture. Yeah, and you have Emma Stone, who is in Spider Man. You have all. <laughs> it's like you can't get away from that. Like nowadays, everyone is in a huge franchise, and I love the scene, even though it's so pretentious. But I just thought it was such a like. A rich, funny, like line when Ed Norton's character says, "Like uh, popularity is just the slutty little cousin of prestige." And then he's like, "I don't even know what that means." <laughs> yeah. Which I was exactly I was the same thing. like, I thought there was a lot of those people, like the Ed Norton. The, I just thought they were so pretentious. They are, and but I hated it. So, did you not like Ed Norton in this movie? No, I mean, I thought like things he said were funny, but yeah. I, it was just like he is by far my. favorite favorite part of this movie i love watching his character i think ed norton nails it and i think because it's I mean, him because yeah, it's him exactly. yeah sure yeah it's easy to nail but like is i wouldn't want to hang out with him in real life but i love watching him in this movie and there actually is a scene that where i kind of root for him a little bit like oh actually there's probably a few scenes where i kind of do because he is just unashamedly 
honest and like transparent in scenes where you don't expect it, you know, but the scene I really love one, they just finished their preview and Mike Shiner was like dead drunk the entire time. And so Regan has to take him to get coffee. They didn't actually quite finish their preview. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but he's like, let's go get coffee. And they're like walking down the street. And then (laughs) Mike Shiner like walks into a bar and he's like, what are you doing? He's like, they have coffee here. (laughs) And then they go in and, um, and get a drink. They get a drink, yeah. And then there's Tabitha, who's the theater critic, and she's sitting there. And then um, after Regan and Mike's conversation, Mike is walking to leave, and he kind of passes Tabitha, and they have a short interaction. And she's kind of saying, like, I'm going to tear this movie apart. Uh, and then play. She, yeah, the, yeah, I'm sorry, the play, yeah. And then I, I wish I remember the exact line. I don't remember it, but Mike is kind of sticking up for Reagan a little bit. Yeah, that's why what I think what he said is he's going to put himself out there. Like he's putting it all on the line. Right. What are you doing? Yeah. Right, kind of thing. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'm going to like him. But then he goes behind his back and he he like sabotages him to yeah. her. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, not to her, but uh, somebody New York Times or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And he's calling him a hack. He sees like working with an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Working with a trained monkey or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um. No. And I, I think that that's. I think that that's one of the things that I love about this movie is how dimensional all these people are. I, I think that, I mean, he just feels fake, like inconsistent to me or not inconsistent, but just like a, a liar. I don't know. Well, I, didn't I, come think, off as I like think multi. it works because like he is an actor. Yeah. Like he just, I think he just kind of puts on that performance wherever he can and needs to, you know, and it doesn't matter what's true. It's, it's what, what sells the part, you but know? But then, like, you were just talking about how honest and real he was. I don't think he was honest and real at any point. Not even when he's talking to Emma Stone and she says, like, why wouldn't you want to get with me right now? And he's like, I'm worried that I would not be able to. Yeah, think I, I, I think I, I think he is. I think that he's struggling with the same thing that Riggins struggling with. Like, he's he desperately has something to prove to himself, and he does it in a very different way. So he does it with bravado. So when he feels... Uh, you know, secure, he's able to be more like, you know, honest and a good person. And when he's feeling very insecure, he lashes out and is destructive to, you know, himself and everyone around him. And I think that that's real. Like, I think that's a real life thing. Like, I don't think any of us are black and white, good or bad. There have been plenty of times where I've stood up for someone and then, you know, talked crap behind their back. Like, the same person like I've done that a ton and I don't think that makes me a good person or a bad person I think it makes me human um and and that's that's what I mean by like dimensionality like all these characters like they're not there there are there are no heroes or villains it just feels like life like it feels like real people I felt like he was the villain from the beginning which was like I was so upset with him the whole time I think he kind of is yeah you know you know I think him and Tabitha, Tabitha kind of are, but I, that's what I like about it is he's not just this black and white, only evil, only bad. Like we do see hints of like humanity. And so you, I like that at times you were like, oh, maybe I'll like him. And then the next moment you're like, no, I don't like him anymore. Yeah. Like, I think that's cool. Yeah. You know? Um, Scott, you've been quiet for a little bit. I was just thinking. Yeah. About <laughs> I'm just like. I'm trying to like listen and take in all the things you guys are saying and be like, okay, do I think that's like that or so I, I don't know. You're, you're still a little, you're still absorbing and undecided. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Because I had this reaction. Uh, Did it make you want to watch a Marvel movie so bad? 
No. That's what I I finished it and I was like, I kind of want to watch Iron Man. Like, because they, <laughs> they had Iron Man on the TV and they were like trash talking him the whole time. And I was like, that's a fun movie. I'm going to go. I kind of want to watch it. Yeah. No, it didn't make me want to watch any superhero movie. Were you guys impressed at least from like a, a, a technological standpoint? Yeah. Maybe not technological, like but technical. technical. Yeah. Sorry. That's what I mean to say. Yeah. yeah. Technical. Yeah. I thought the cinematography was good. I like, even though I didn't, even though I, I didn't like the effect it produced, I think that one shot, it, it was like an impressive thing. And I understand that it was like probably intentional and they wanted to feel, they wanted you to feel like, oh, I'm not getting a chance to like, you know, rest on anything. But I, it just, it made it unpleasant for me to watch. What well, I liked about that is it made it feel like a play. Ah, oh, dang it. You stole my, what I was, oh, was going to say. A, like, yeah, it feels like you're watching the theater Yeah, in a way. I really liked, and like, and this is also part of the reason why things were so like tense and was like the, the drum sequences and like, yeah. like, like the jazzy and like everything's moving in beat to it. Yeah. I thought that was super cool and super fun. Uh, but again, it, it makes everything feel like high quick pace. and yeah. like, and sure. it, it's just, it, you feel like you're moving at a mile a minute where like. It would have been a better experience for me if there was less of those things, but okay. I, I understand how like cool and impressive and fun that was. Um, I uh, it's super funny when I saw this in theaters, I hadn't yet read anything about it. Um, I was excited to see it, and it took me like honestly like twenty minutes to realize that there wasn't a take, that there wasn't a cut. I felt it very quickly. Yeah, but like, I mean, I didn't feel it. Well, I felt it, but I didn't like consciously realize what was making me feel that until like 20 minutes in, I was like, I don't think they've cut. And then, you know, I was like looking for a cut for like the next two or three minutes. And it was like, okay, like this is going to be a one, a one shot. And uh, it, it, it really, I think uh, intentionally, achieves exactly what you were feeling yeah no i think it was on purpose but i don't think that that at least for me didn't lend to like a really enjoyable experience sure sure sure, sure. but yeah it was it was funny the first time watching it like wait what? like something is making me feel uneasy mm -hmm. and, and like uh not uneasy but like uh yeah a little bit of whiplash like a little bit of like breakneck you know it's uh if you want to see a really good example of how like i think those like the the drumming in tune affects a scene and how it comes like i saw this guy on youtube did um if you watch always sunny in philadelphia there's this scene where charlie's kind of going crazy they're working in a mail room and he's like going through like yeah. showing all this stuff and then some guy set that to like like jazz drums kind of like exactly like this and it feels so crazy different and like so like i don't know huh i think you should i think it's worth watching just to see what an impact it makes. The, like, yeah. It feels like a completely different scene. What the, the mm. kind of tension it can create. Yeah. It's funny that you bring up It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia because there's an episode called Charlie Work where they did... Great episode. Yeah, it's a great... It's one of the best episodes and they, they did the long take thing. And it was like right after this came out and it's really funny. Um, it was funny also doing a little bit of trivia for Birdman um, just by the nature of the way that they had to film this, you know, they had to get everything perfect for these really long takes. Um, and so Ed Norton and Michael Keaton started to um, keep a tally of who messed up the most. And uh, Emma Stone, right? It, it's Emma Stone, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I said that. And I was like, that doesn't sound like her name. Emma Stone, I guess, messed up the most. <laughs> and Zach Galifianakis messed up the least. I feel like like it makes sense for Zach Galifianakis. Like even if he made a flub, just to 
make it work. That's what they said is that he like, there were times he'd mess up, but he would just somehow make it work and they would keep it in. Yeah. Because he like, like if you ever, like you watch him on between two friends, like he's got to sit in these like awful, uncomfortable yeah. situations, I assume. And he's just, he's probably just good at that. Did you guys like, well, how scripted do you think that is? Between two friends? I yeah. don't think it's. It's scripted. Is it really? Yeah. They uh, give like the other guy a script? Yeah. So it's not like it's the not, Eric Andre show or whatever? Yeah, no. It, it's scripted. Um, they like, they write jokes for the other people. Okay. I was under the impression that he was just coming in and being mean to these people and they just knew that's what he was going to do. No, like they, I mean, they do know that obviously, uh -huh. but they actually, they act, they're actually are writers and they write jokes for the other people. Okay. And uh, I know because I watched an interview recently with Galifianakis where that came up. That was, I think it was, uh, um, my next guest needs no introduction. Oh uh, yeah. I watched, I watched one episode. It was like a special episode though. And it was with the... An Indian actor. Oh, okay. It's pretty interesting, actually. Uh, but they had uh, David Letterman was interviewing Galifianakis and asked him about that. And he was talking about, in particular, I think it was either Justin Bieber or um, Obama. I think it was Obama that uh, they had written some jokes for Obama that were like, uh, that they had to like cut like when they like sent it over like his press people had to like cut some jokes but then there was like one in particular I don't remember what it was that was like really intense and they were like yeah it's great like <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah but yeah so they they write it's it's all scripted did you guys like Galifianakis in this movie I did. I did. I thought he was super funny. He was probably my favorite part. I think he I, was my favorite yeah. too. I really like him. I think he did a really good job with this one. There were some really. I just really, really like Zach Galifianakis. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I was saying, there are just some really, really funny parts in this movie, like the clip we used. Yeah. When she's like, he's like, no, that didn't happen. She's like, so I'm just gonna write that you're denying it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought that was so funny. Where? Do, what's your source? Uh, <laughs> at prostate something. Whispers. Whispers. Yeah. yeah prostate prostate whispers. whispers on it was tweeted by. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's like funny, but I, it's probably something that happens a lot. Where like somebody just tweets something completely baseless. Yeah. And then now it's like, okay, you either don't address it and people think it, or you do address it and people still think that it happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because it's like, oh, you're denying it. Definitely. Like, like really against it. It was like, yeah, well, it didn't happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I will say too about the drums. I, I really love the score. The score might be one of the things I think works best about this movie. And it's a shame that it was disqualified. Um, that the, the drums really do like, I mean, it, it creates a real mood for this movie. And I understand I, I, I it's cool if it's not a movie, it's not a mood you enjoy sitting in, but it, it does its job well. No. Yeah. I, I, I was like, I know this is on purpose. I know this is exactly what they want. I'm not, I'm not here for Yeah, it. sure. Um, but I, I thought they did a great job with it. But one thing in particular that I loved about it, uh, was when they would uh, pan in to the drummer being yeah, yeah. in, like just kind of <laughs> like breaking the fourth wall a little, breaking reality. And that's what this movie does a lot of, you know, it's it's one of like the underpinnings of this movie is, is uh, suspending disbelief and breaking reality. Um, and the, I feel like including the drummer that's drumming the, what you're, what you're hearing. So it's like, uh, diegetic yeah. sound, like like indicating that it's like all diegetic, was just super fascinating and mm -hmm. like really unique. Because like the first time it happened, it wasn't that weird. Because like you know, like they're just street performers right. in New York, and it was just like some guy on the street. But then they cut, to, and he's just sitting in the middle of backstage, yeah, just banging away on the drums. And I was like, <laughs> wow, we're really going for it, huh? Yeah, yeah. 
I, th- I thought that was super cool. It was one of my favorite things about this movie. Jake, if you had to take a take on whether he's a crazy person or actually has superpowers, what would you lean towards? I mean, now I think he's a crazy person, but if you would have asked me three quarters of the way through the movie, I would have just said, yeah, he has superpowers. What are you talking about? Mm. So, Yeah, it, that's, uh, I mean, I guess what you're getting at is like... What's the end of the movie? What happens? I'm just wondering what, yeah, what, what, because Amazon think, like looks up into the sky as if he is actually flying. I, I take it as like, not that he's crazy, but like that the only way he can pump himself up to do this kind of stuff is that he like has to tell himself like, I'm freaking Birdman. Like no one can tell me that I suck. Like I'm, I'm Birdman. Look at how much money my movies have made. Like I can freaking do whatever I want. I can fly through. So, I mean, that is maybe a little crazy, but I kind of take it as like, this is just his this reality he's kind of created, which I feel like the more I talk about it, he does just sound crazy. Yeah, I was gonna say because like he's he's fighting <laughs> and like this is why it's like in retrospect I don't know how I didn't like he's fighting Birdman. I think in his we're own just kind of seeing and nothing else. He has a mental illness. Yeah, maybe I he's guess. hallucinating Birdman around him. I don't know if he's he technically, shoots off his face. Yeah, but I mean you've never like like kind of just I don't know daydreamed or like kind of like I don't think he's like literally seeing these things. I think he's just we're seeing the world that he like kind of creates for himself. But I've never like yelled back and forth at my daydreams. I've never talked with my daydreams. Oh, I definitely have. Like you, you've been like in an argument with a daydream and then like you're yelling at the person. You're like, leave me alone. Leave me alone. I've had, I've had like, I play out conversations all the time that like I think are going to happen that like that I'm not, I'm in my car driving and I'm like playing out both sides of a conversation that I'm anxious about having with someone. I do that all the time. The thing that made with a made up person. I think I know, but I think what I'm trying to say is like, I think that these quote unquote hallucinations are a little bit more symbolic than literal. Yeah. I mean, I guess the thing, so how do you interpret the last scene? Um, I interpret it as it's still kind of all within him within his head and that he feels like for the first time his daughter sees him as a superhero which is portrayed by him jumping out the window and her actually looking up and seeing him fly away so you think he act do you think he didn't actually jump out of the window no i don't think so you think he's still in the room and that yeah. was just a another like fake scene yeah it was like symbolism Mm-hmm. I, that's what I personally think. I think I, I I was circling back a bit to like I think the things that like I, like the conversations he was having and the the reasons why it felt like he was just straight hallucinating was like it seemed like something he couldn't escape. Like it, mm. he was like leave me alone. Like it's it, like it, it didn't yeah. feel like it was coming consciously from him where he was like I'm thinking about this. He's like I don't want to I don't want to do this right now. Let's but not do it's this. like it's like saying someone's like wrestling with their inner demons. Like that's what I felt like he was doing, and that's the way that it was portrayed to us, the audience. Well, and but here's the thing that I love about this movie is you both have room to be right. Like, yeah, there's definitely. not a right or wrong. Like your interpretation, that's the point sure. that Inuritu wants you to draw your own conclusion. Yeah. Uh, and so like neither of your conclusions are more valid or invalid than the other. In fact, like to put a, a third take on it or maybe a fourth, uh, I actually think that he did have, like, I think he flew out the window. Wow. Uh, like, you think this is a prequel to Spider-Man Homecoming? No, I, I, I just think, <laughs> I just think he that, didn't have superpowers in Spider-Man Homecoming, but he was basically Birdman. <laughs> I just, it's not that. Uh, I don't think that at all. I just think that in Yuritu, like, I think that he just wanted to, like, really play on this idea of that he brought up so many times that it's like you don't get to say what my movie is i do and 
like I'm just gonna, I, I guess, jump the shark on purpose. Uh, well, at nothing else, there's at least some hallucinations. Yeah, no, because I, like I think the there buildings is. exploding and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, 10 seconds later, it looks back and it's not. Well, I think all of the cuts, all, like, so there are like 16 cuts in the film and they all happen like pretty close together. So it's the, all the, like, it starts with all the war zone that's happening and then what's happening on the stage where he sees like the marching band on stage, yeah. all of that. I think all of that is straight hallucination. And it's, and it's sh- like shown to us as straight hallucination because now we're including cuts. Yeah. What do you think happened though? Like, because like, do you think he was really on top of that building and then the guy came to him? Like, how did he get up there? How did he get down? From no, I think it's all hallucination. Yeah. That in that scene, did you guys notice? So I think they had him on wires for the thing, but they wanted to keep it. And so did you notice that extra come by and like unhook him? Yeah. Which I thought was kind of funny. I don't know if I did. So he he lands right out in front of the theater and then an extra yeah. kind of walks up and he like reaches his hand up to do something. And then he like, because oh. I was like, why is he doing that? And then I looked it up and it turned out it was just some guy that needed to come and take the wires off. But oh, I think, gotcha. but I think they like let that happen on purpose because again, like that's how Riggin, the actor would have experienced yeah. this sequence in one of his action movies. Yeah, you it, know what I mean? It wasn't a flub. Yeah, not a, no, I don't think it was a flub. Yeah, but it, it wasn't like you, it was easy to miss. Sure. Sure. I mean, I did miss it. So yeah, I missed it. All right, we've got stuff very engaged in this episode. I know, yeah. I'm, I'm just processing everything. Like, All right, well, I've, I've gone from like rating this thing super low to rating it higher to like I don't know. Well, let's uh, let's Scott, what worked for you and what didn't work? Um, I mean, I thought the acting was all good. Like, I never once thought about like their like the I was engaged with yeah. their performances. Like, I thought that was great. Uh, I think, like, I feel like they accomplished everything they wanted to accomplish. I just don't know if I liked what they wanted to accomplish. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, if this was strictly, like, a, a rating on how well they made what they wanted to make, like, it's this is a great movie. Yeah. Like, on execution, it's mm-hmm. great. But on premise, still maybe not. On premise, not. I'm just like. Yeah. <laughs> this think- is a movie made for people who are in the industry. Or, or not, maybe I hear you and I think I agree with you, but I might. Yes, and um, are like people who are see themselves as artists. Like this is a movie for sure. fours, you know. Like, sure, <laughs> I, I would agree with that. And I, I mean, I, I, I guess I have fours my wing on my five, but <laughs> not I don't think enough. anybody knows what not you're not talking enough. about. Yeah, uh, we, I, I think, think we should assume we've talked about Enneagram enough on I, this. And and Enneagram has become like extremely popular, and like I, I think most most people at least know of the Enneagram enough to know that when, when someone's described as a number that they're talking about the Enneagram. Zach, what worked for you? What didn't? Um, I think that most about this movie works for me. Uh, I think the only part when I was watching it, uh, there was that one female actor. It's not Naomi Watts character, but it's the other one who apparently has a relationship with Reagan. Um, Emma Stone. No, not in the stone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, funny enough, I don't think I've said yet, but did you know that they originally wanted Margot Robbie to play that character? Really? Yeah. Emma Stone's? Yeah, they wanted her to play the daughter. I, I don't think I would have bought that. Yeah, I think Emma Stone did way better um, or than Margot would have done. But I feel like Margot Robbie looks way older than Emma Stone. Yeah, that's what I was thinking is like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't believe that she's like his young daughter, yeah. fresh, just because... 
you know, she looks like. But also, she turned it down to do the movie Focus with Will Smith. <laughs> Did that? Was that nominated? No, no, no. not at all. <laughs> all right, definitely not. <laughs> I I never saw it, but it looked bad. But she got to I work. I saw with, it. It was bad. She yeah. got to work with the legend from Bad Boys, Will that's Smith. True. Yeah, that's true. You know? <laughs> from Bad Boys, from well, from great films such as After Earth and Bad Boys. Well, they got to work together. Gemini in, Man. Uh, <laughs> In uh, Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, yeah. Yeah, yeah Suicide Squad, yeah, you know, uh, like, Wild Wild West. Hey, you know? that is a great movie, all right? <laughs> there's, a, you know, there's not a bad Will Smith movie that I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all that to say, um, it was that character, whenever she was on screen, and I think maybe because she she felt like she wasn't developed enough for me. Yeah. So when she was on screen, I was kind of like, why, why are we even hearing about this person? I feel like that aspect of the movie didn't need to be in it. Yeah. Yeah, I would have taken her out. Yeah, I I think I agree with that actually. Like in retrospect, like what what was gained even from what they were trying to accomplish with that side story they had with her. Yeah. Who would have looked into the sky at the end? We're no, still not, not Emma talking Stone. About Emma Stone. Stone. <laughs> uh, she was vital to the story. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think you could have just lifted Emma Stone out of it. We didn't need her. Jake, either what worked for you, what didn't. I mean, we kind of heard a little bit about that from you. I mostly started this with Scott because we haven't heard anything from him. But if you have any other like no, things to add. I think that like they they executed well on it. I just don't think I was on board with the premise. And yeah. so like that that's why. And I mean, I guess that's a big part of rating where like, sure, I think they did what they wanted to do really well. I just don't. I didn't like what they wanted to do. Yeah. So fair. I, uh, I would say that I, I would say that almost everything in this movie really works for me. Um, acting is phenomenal. I really like Inuritu's like directing choices. Um, the cinematography is really cool. I agree with you, Scott. I don't remember if you said this on the pod or if you said it uh, off air that uh, 1917 did the oh, single the, take the single shot, shot better. better. Yeah, I agree. But this was the first time. This wasn't the first time it was ever done. But this was like one of the first times this was. Well, ever Well, and done. I think this was done very well. I mean, I could tell where like when they like panned past a wall. Like I'm like, sure. okay, that was one of their natural cut points. But I think I think they did that very well. I just think 1917. Uh, did it better, but I think 1917's movie lended itself to it better. Yeah, than what this was. Uh, earlier, you guys had talked about how like you guys liked it because you felt like it felt more like a play because mm -hmm. of it. But it it didn't give me that at all. It it felt less like a play to me because there was so much motion around. Whereas a play to me is like very two dimensional. Like you're sitting and they're there, and you never have a different like change of perspective. And there are a lot of hard cuts and plays. Well, I think yeah. the reason why it has nothing to do with perspective, and it has nothing to do with cuts. It's that in plays, what you do is you're um, you're always following like characters are segueing into other characters, and so it's just a it's a constant. Um, like one person comes in and another uh, person A comes in and has a monologue. Person B comes in and has a conversation with person A. Person A leaves and now person B is who we're following. Uh -huh. yeah. And that that was the purpose of the one take. It wasn't just to do a one take for the hell of it. It was so that we're, uh, we are uh, following along rather than a typical movie with, you know, cuts and everything like that. Um, were uh, like were outside of the experience versus like immersed in the experience. Um, like you, the viewer, are a sort of like character in this. Um, you're you're in this world with them rather than being an observer of this world. 
that is like a third person observer. Um, so that that's the way in which it is more like a play and why I think we both said that the question, did he intentionally shoot his nose off or was he trying to kill himself? I thought he was trying to kill himself. Kill himself. Every time he had done the play before he held the gun right against his head. And then this time he held it out here. Yeah. I, I think it was, I think it was probably like, uh, fear over the fact that it is a loaded gun. You know what I mean? Uh, but I think he tried to kill himself. Yeah. Okay. He did like, I guess he did everything different, you know, like he didn't have that monologue. No, he did still have the monologue. He, he, it was actually just a much more, like it was so believable that time because the monologue was a, more about like Edward and all these people than it was about the character in the play. Like he actually, and that was what they're writing about, what the critic writes about, that it was like the the stakes uh, were finally real to him of what the monologue was saying. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It just, I, I don't know. It felt different. I, maybe it's because he, I mean, he did a lot of things different, but like he walked out center stage, which yeah. I don't think, and like he got the that had never right happened before. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, uh, I, I will say, uh, to one thing that I wanted to bring up about this movie that I really loved. My favorite part is actually the, uh, when, um, he confronts, uh, his daughter, about smoking weed and she's like drawing on a roll of toilet paper or something like that, like drawing lines on a roll of toilet paper and she blows up on him and has this monologue. Uh, I thought Emma Stone slew that monologue. Like it was so good, but I loved the camera, like how the camera did things. Uh, And I feel like this is a subtle thing, but it conveys a lot of emotion and for me displays a lot of like technical excellence. Um, when the conversation starts, we see both of them in the frame and as she ramps up in her tirade against him, where she just dismantles him as a human being, like, you know, really dismantles him. And she's saying like, who, who the hell are you? You're worthless. No one cares about you. It doesn't matter if you live or die. And like her tone keeps escalating. Her like loudness keeps escalating. And while all that happens, the camera pushes past him and it's just her face. And then she like ends and you see her face change. Like she realizes, you know, what she just did. And as she realizes that the camera pulls back to then include him. And so the camera, they're using the camera to tell us something about her that this uh, like tirade that she just went on didn't have anything to do with him. It was her issues. Hmm. And then like when we include him back in the shot, it's her realizing there's another person on the end of this that I've just really hurt. Hmm. And I I think that any time a director can communicate something without dialogue, that's excellence. Or maybe it was just another hallucination of that's what he thought his daughter felt about him. Yeah. You know what? Actually, maybe he didn't have a daughter. It's possible. (laughs) All right, Zach, what would you give this movie? Um, I'm going to give it an 8.2. All right, Jake. I'm going to go for a 7.5. Scott? I'll give it a 6.8. And uh, I'm going to give this movie uh, an 8.7. 
All right. So just as a reminder, uh, the other guys gave this a 91%. IMDb gave it a 7-7. This was a a best picture and best director win for Alejandro Iñárritu. And on uh, Rotten Potatoes, it is a 78%. Quick question. So because you said that we talked you up a little bit and you still gave it a 6.8. What were you originally? No, I said you guys were like, I was like going back and forth. I didn't say this was around what I I came into it originally. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. (laughs) 70, 78%. Uh, Definitely better than Blood Diamond. You also talked me down on Blood Diamond. Oh, did I really? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Scott's more. Scott's more impressionable now. I'm, yeah, I'm that's, trying to be. He was. He was so set in his ways about uh, there will be blood, and now he's. Yeah, but he's, I already already confessed to you that I think it should have been rated higher. Yeah. You're what uh, person. Zach? What do you uh, having nominated this movie? What do you feel about the the overall score? Um, I think it. I think it's pretty accurate. I think maybe it should have been a little bit higher. Um, but not probably not much higher. So just for us, for like reference, we rated this just above Die Hard and just under When Harry Met Sally. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> I, I do think it. Probably be <laughs> I would keep than, it there. It, like, like, you couldn't pick three more different movies. <laughs> I, I would. I would rather watch When Harry Met Sally again. Oh, for sure. I just think that Birdman is. Like, uh, regardless of whether I'd want to watch it again or not, I think it's objectively, like, it's much better executed than When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. I, I think that, for me, the the only thing with Birdman, and I wouldn't say that uh, this is a fault of the movie at all because it's just the nature of the story and what it wants to be doesn't lend itself to this at all. But uh, I, I'm not left with any sort of, like, emotional impact. And if a movie's able to leave me with an emotional impact, one that's going to like, I'm going to be thinking on for a while or like really feel like, uh, like impacted by a specific character or what they're going through, that's always going to like knock it up a bunch of points for me. And that doesn't happen with this movie. And again, like, I don't think that's an issue with the movie at all. It's just not that kind of movie. Like um, Napoleon Dynamite. Exactly. <laughs> I, yeah, I think about it. Every day, you know, just like the things that Napoleon was doing. Yeah. Like, how how can I throw a steak at someone on a bike? That I seriously, I watched that yesterday because I, I think about that and like that is so not the movie. Oh, the that, clip. That clip oh, okay. Of, <laughs> I was of, like, I was very of Uncle Rico throwing the steak at Napoleon's face. I think that's just so funny. All right. Well, hey, uh, before we get out of here, Zach, do you have any uh, final thoughts? Oh, I guess I should say next week. Um, Next we're week, doing your movie, right? we're doing my movie, uh, our first Coen Brothers film. We haven't done a Coen Brothers film yet. It needed to be done. I initially was going to do uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, uh, which is one of their comedies. Um, but I decided for a first Coen, for our first Coen, I had to do one of their dramas. And so we're doing No Country for Old Men. I'm excited for it. I have to pee. <laughs> All right, Zach. Do you have any Let's final get us thoughts? Out of here. Yeah. Do you have yeah. any final thoughts before we go? You know how great is Max Keeble's big move? 